Well, let me begin um, by just saying uh, thank you uh, so much to our Hillcrest family uh, for allowing us the opportunity to do events like this. Your, um, your faithfulness to, to give uh, enables us to carry out our mission of, of helping people uh, becoming like Christ who worship God and who uh, connect with others and who serve the world and who in, invest in someone. And as for this weekend, this, this video you just saw shows a, a brief clip of how we accomplished carrying out our mission this weekend. So um, from the bottom of my heart, um, let me just say thank you um, so much uh, to you guys for allowing us the opportunity to do this. It is absolutely impossible uh, in, when, with an event uh, like this to be able to thank uh, every single person that makes it happen because it's just such a, uh, it's just such a, a, a great task and so many people help from, uh, I, I mean, I would be up here all uh, all morning talking about these individuals, but I do want to recognize uh, one super special individual who many, many, many times uh, gets overlooked. And I want to recognize um, our facilities manager, Mr. Calvin Caps. I mean, I know that he is, is probably not even in this room because he's taking care of things around here. Um, but um, a lot of times uh, he, he just does so much all the time. This past week um, in, in our staff chapel, we were praying over this weekend. And uh, Calvin uh, let us, told us that this was his 30th D-Now weekend that he has been a part of, which is astounding for a lot of reasons. I didn't even know you could survive 30 of these, honestly. Like... I will tell you one person that will not survive 30 of these, right? So, um, but it's just astounding, the, the commitment and his level of excellence and his team, they just are absolutely phenomenal. So Calvin, I honor you, brother. I love you and are so, so thankful um, for, for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let me begin by also saying a special good morning to those who are watching online with us this morning. I know it looks a little different. We actually had someone online for last service that I went to the Hillcrest website, but I don't know where I'm at, right? It looks completely different, but we are grateful that you guys are watching online. As Jeremy mentioned uh, earlier, our theme for the weekend was uh, chosen, and we have spent our time together in God's Word focusing on the life of Joseph. Now, the story of Joseph can be read in its entirety from Genesis 37 through uh, Genesis 50. But for time's sake this morning, we're going to be focusing on the later part of Joseph's life, um, really found in chapter 50. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. Uh, that's where we're going to camp out this morning. Our theme for Friday night, uh, as we got started for the weekend, was uh, Chosen for Life, which showed us through, kind of took us through the first part of Joseph's life found in Genesis 37. Um, that his life really was a life that was one um, of rescue out of, out of desperation. Likewise, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been rescued out of desperation by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. On Saturday morning, uh, our theme was Chosen for Victory, where we really studied Genesis 39, focusing on Joseph's ability uh, to not yield to temptation with Potiphar's wife. We found uh, that through our time together in God's Word that, that God desires victory over temptation. 
And he provides a means to achieve victory uh, through biblical community, um, through the study of his word, um, and also just by making wise decisions. And then last night, our theme was chosen for freedom, and we studied Joseph's interaction with his brothers and the forgiveness that he offered. You know, as followers of Jesus, how can we accept God's ultimate forgiveness of our sin and not in turn offer forgiveness to those who hurt us? So this morning, as we conclude this weekend, I really feel like God has a word for all of us as we look at the conclusion of Joseph's life, uh, his earthly life anyway, and focus on the idea of being chosen for a purpose, chosen for a purpose. So as we look at the end of Joseph's life, there are really three separate purposes that we can learn and apply to our lives. And the first one that we're going to look at this morning is the purpose to choose present hope. The purpose to choose present hope. Read with me in Genesis 50, starting in verse 15 through 18. When Joseph's brother saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now... Please forgive the transgression of, your, of the servants of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Let me ask you a question this morning. How would your outlook on life change if you believed that God was really with you in, in, in every situation? You see, for Joseph's brothers, they had a hard time of seeing the work of the Lord because they were constantly looking back. Anyone ever, ever do that? You know, by way of reminder, Joseph was his father's favorite child, and his brothers did not like it one bit. And so earlier in life, they actually captured and sold Joseph into slavery. Now, my parents, are, uh, my parents are divorced, but on my mother's side of the family, all the siblings, there's four of us, and there is a clear hierarchy of favorites, okay? It's, it's, she doesn't even hide it anymore, right? So there's four of us. There's uh, it's myself and my sister Sandra and my brother Kenny and then my sister Bailey. Bailey's actually here leading a group this weekend, and so she can actually vouch for this. So... I mean, it's not even close. The clear favorite is my little brother, Kenny. I mean, he is just, it's, 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 he's got it locked down, right? Now, coming in second place is Bailey. Um, but Bailey, she's peaked out. Like, she, she realizes this too. Like, she's still early in life, but she's all, she knows, like, I'm, I'm not going to go any higher. Two is where I've capped out at, right? Then you have the third is... Sandra, and Sandra sits pretty solid there. She knows she's not going to bump Bailey off the list. And then there's a couple of dogs that they have at their house, <laughs> right? And, and then there's, um, there's a niece. The niece has a kid, so there's that one, and some people we work with. And you can go on down the, li the list, but then if you get towards the bottom of the list, Bailey had a goldfish when she was five named... <laughs> named Sparkles, okay? 
right below Sparkles, but right above Satan. That's where you'll find me hanging out, okay? Like, I'm kind of at the bottom, but listen, not bitter at all, okay? Not at all. It's fine. My point in telling you that is like, at no point in my life, being at the bottom of the totem pole, have I ever thought to myself, you know what? If I just sold Kenny, <laughs> I might could bump up the list, right? I just, my, it just never has been a thing, right? But here's, here's the relevant part to what we're talking about right now. When you read the story of Joseph, you see that Joseph forgave his brothers earlier in the story. However, when the brothers are now faced with a questionable future circumstance, they revert back to old habits. Now, jo Joseph is going to hate us, right? Please forgive us. Right? Joseph had already done that. And as we get a glimpse at the, uh, of the end of Joseph's life, we see that he indeed believed that God had a purpose in everything, even the bad things, even when things weren't great. From the slavery led to Potiphar's house, which led to the false accusation, which led to the prison, which led to Pharaoh, which led to a throne from which Joseph could save God's people. And listen, friends, God was as much in the pit and the prison as he was in the palace. Now, a couple of things. First, believing this does not reduce the sin of other people. Notice that Joseph does not downplay what his brothers did. He called it for what it is. He said it was evil. Secondly, knowing that God has a good plan in everything doesn't mean that you can always see it. You see, God takes the very sins of the destroyers and makes them the means of the destroyer's deliverance. And each stage of the journey was a necessary part of the end. But in the middle of it all, Joseph couldn't see that. It wasn't until the very end that he could see it. I've shared this story with the students before. I was reading a, uh, a portion of a book focusing on seven women who have made an impact in history. And one of those women was Corey Ten Boone, who was a Dutch Christian who, along with members of her family, helped Jews escape uh, from Nazis during World War II. Now, she was eventually caught. She was placed in a concentration camp. And during this time, she suffered many hardships and humiliation. And one of the worst hardships were the fleas that came because of the filth they had to live in. And her, her sister Betsy said this, You should thank God even for the fleas on your clothes. Corey said, there's no way God can make me grateful for a flea until a few days later when they met in secret to have a worship service. If they would have been discovered, they would have been beaten. But the guards never walked in the room. They only walked past and peered in. This meant that the women were never assaulted and also meant that they were able to do the unthinkable, which was to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. And through this, countless numbers of women came to faith in Jesus. And only at the end did they discover why the guards had left them alone and would not enter into the barracks. And it was 
because of the fleas. Even in the fleas, God was at work. And so the test for us is real easy in that, right? Can, can you thank God for the fleas in your life? You see, sometimes what you are going through makes no sense. And you just have to trust. You see, the story of, of Joseph doesn't mean that God will work it out all satisfactorily to your understanding in your lifetime but that God will work it out in the grand scheme of history. You see, one day God is going to put Jesus on the throne and you can know as surely as he has been resurrected that he's going to work out all things for his purposes. And you might say to me, yeah, but I want resolution in my lifetime. And I, I understand that. Me too. But friends, 10 seconds into eternity, it's not going to matter. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I mean, think about the scene that's happening here in Genesis 50. Does, does Joseph seem to remember with disgust all the bitterness of the pain? No, it's, it's all washed away in joy. In eternity, neither will we remember. You see, Joseph's life shows you that there is not one wasted event. There is not one wasted second, not one wasted molecule in all the universe. Yes, God was as much in the pit and the prison as he was in the palace. And what's more, the pit and the prison were means to the palace. You see, Joseph's life shows you and, and this, is, this is very sobering, but he does, it does show you that sometimes the path to God's salvation in the world involves suffering. See, God didn't save the nation of Israel despite Joseph's suffering, but because of it, through it. And the way that people will hear about Jesus' wounds will oftentimes be through our wounds. See, we have this idea that the abundant life is, a, is about slowly moving toward comfort and ease and luxury, away from suffering and stress and worry and, and sacrifices that we're asked to bear. And it's, that's just simply not true. Sometimes it is through our suffering that God brings life to the world. Remember, Jesus saved us not despite his wounds, but through his wounds, See, God has not called us to a platform. He has called us to an altar. And so I ask you again, how would your life change if you believed that in everything God was with you, that he had been with you? Remember, the gospel of our salvation was accomplished through the evil of sinful men as they killed the Son of God. Which brings us to the second pur purpose that we can learn from Joseph. And it's this, purpose to choose living hope. Purpose to choose living hope. Here's where we find arguably the most important words in the entire story of Joseph in verses 19 through 21. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good 
to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What men meant for evil, God meant for good. Do you hear the echoes of Jesus' story all through this? You see, one day, many years into the future, another Savior would come and walk the same path that Joseph walked. He would be betrayed by his brothers and then lied about and falsely condemned. Of course, unlike Joseph, Jesus wasn't just sold into slavery. He was put to death. But like Joseph... He would be raised from that pit to sit on the highest throne of the land. And also like Joseph, instead of demanding vengeance from that throne, he would use his exalted position to forgive and save his brothers. Numerous times in Joseph's life, men meant evil to Joseph, but God meant it for good. Likewise, many times in Jesus' life, men meant evil, even to the point of death, but God meant it for good. You see, Jesus is the whole point of this story. As he is in every story in the Bible, the main point of Joseph's story is not to amaze you with Joseph's incredible faith. The whole point is to show you that in all things, God is fully in control of all circumstances throughout history, working out his perfect plan to put Jesus on the throne and save and glorify the church through his resurrection. You see, friends, you're not going to be the one that, that God puts on the throne. Jesus is. But just like God was in complete control of Joseph's life, working it all for his good plan, so he is in control of your life, working all things for his good purposes in your life, just like he was in Joseph's. But there's more that we can learn here. Anybody, any, anybody fans of roller coasters? Anybody? Like... It's all the teenagers and nobody else. That's super funny, right? So either they're the thrill seekers and y'all are asleep or what, I don't know. But roller coasters, like, I, so I like them. They're okay. But if they're going upside down, hard no, right? Like, why would, it makes no sense why you would do that. But one of my favorite places to go, Universal Studios. I know a lot of you have been there. It's super fun. When you walk in Universal Studios, the first roller coaster you see is this huge red roller coaster called the Rip Ride Rockin' Roller Coaster. You can't miss it because it very much, it just starts off with a straight up. I mean, you sit in the chair and it takes you, not, not an angle, I mean straight up as you begin this ride. So we went on vacation with Dan and Rachel Davis, Landon Tucker, we went on a family vacation and Dan has this, really strange ability in talking me into doing dumb things. <laughs> and so I'd held strong till right before we were leaving for the park. Um, and he was like, let's go get on this thing. And so I did it and immediately regretted it. So we start on this thing and it takes you straight up. And all I can remember is just shutting my eyes and it starts to rain. And there's Rain is hitting me on the face because remember I'm looking at the I'm looking at the sky as I go straight up, 
and we get over the peak and we take off and this thing goes and I close my eyes and it feels like BBs are just pelting me in the face the whole time and the only thing I can do is just scream, I hate you and it's raining, I hate you and it's raining. The whole ride, I hate you and it's raining and still to this day when he makes me mad or does something, I'm just, I'm caught, Dan, I hate you and it's raining, right? I hate you and it's raining. Here's my question for you. Anyone in here feel like your life is a roller coaster? Right, you're up and then you're down, then you're up again and you're down again. It's just exhausting, isn't it? You know who totally understands? Joseph. I mean, think about it, his, his entire life was ups and downs. His father's favorite, he's up. He's thrown into a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery. He's down. He's purchased by Potiphar and, and eventually elevated to second in command. He's up. He's accused of raping Potiphar's wife, sent to prison. He's down. Interprets dreams in prison that ultimately led to his eventual release. You know, that's, that's up being reunited with his brothers and having to relive all of the past hurt. It's down. Elevated to essentially the vice president of Egypt and reconciled fully with his family. It's, it's up. It's up and down. Up and down. But you know who also understands the ups and downs of your journey? Jesus. You see, right before the arrest of Jesus, we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane praying. He was down. And then Jesus was crucified but was raised up on a cross so that all man can be drawn to him. And then Jesus was taken down off the cross and placed in a borrowed tomb. But then, by the power of God, Jesus went up from the grave, conquering death, conquering hell, conquering sin, and then Jesus ascended up to the right hand of God and is there to this day. And listen, I show you these things because you need to be reminded that your current position is not your final position. And think about that. Sickness is not your final position. Despair is not your final position. Anxiety is not your final position. Your final position is with Jesus. Which brings us to the final purpose that we're going to look at this morning. We can learn from Joseph, and it's this. The purpose to choose future hope. Purpose to choose future hope. Now, there's something remarkable that happens in the last few verses of Genesis 50. Let's read these together, and then we're going to kind of talk through this. Verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation... The children also of Micaiah, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. 
we see at the end of Joseph's life here that he, he made a pretty odd request with his brothers that when the exodus finally happened, that Joseph's bones would be carried up from Egypt into the land of Canaan, the, the promised land. Now, at first glance, this would appear to be a very strange desire. I mean, after all, when, by the time that this was actually fulfilled, the body of Joseph would have long since expired and his bones essentially um, would be well on their way to dust. Plus, to carry a coffin on a long journey through the hot wilderness would be very burdensome and a little creepy as well, right? But such was the hope and insistence of Joseph at the end of his life. It was his dying wish so why did he make such a plea? You see, Joseph believed that God was not only the maker of covenant promises, but that he was also the keeper of those promises. And that in time, God would again visit his people and fulfill his promises that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to his father, Jacob. Now, what each of these geographic places represents symbolizes is real significant and helps us understand Joseph's strange request. So you have Egypt, which was a land of bondage, a land of, of cruelty and land of, of death. It, it represented sin and its curse. But by contrast, you had Canaan, you had the promised land over here that, that represented redemption and freedom and life. And so when Israel came out of Egypt... It was through the mighty hand of God reaching down into history to, to visit the Egyptians with judgment, but also to bring the people of God out of slavery and into a blessed land. And in light of these things, we might understand what it was that Joseph was actually requesting. You see, Joseph had very little use for his bones. He knew that. But it was of utmost importance for him that his hope in the promises of God be actively and dramatically displayed. You see, Joseph's request would serve as an echo of the past, not only a reminder of what God had already done in Joseph's own life, but as an indication of, God, of what God would do for the corporate people of God, that he was going to bring them out of bondage into the, into the land of blessing, into a covenant life. In a very real sense, Joseph's hope was nothing less than a display of the hope of the resurrection. And it gives us a dynamic view of the faith of Joseph. You see, even in death, he was pointing people to a future hope. This is why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews eleven twenty two 22, that by faith at the end of his life, Joseph made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. You see, Joseph would indeed die, but his bones, the very emblem of his life, would be brought up out of the land of the dead and into the land of the living. It was as though Joseph was saying, bury me in the land of the living where the blessings of God flow. Do not leave my bones, not even my bones in the land of bondage and death. Bury me in the land of the living. 
And listen, friends, the hope of God's people is not longer life in the land of the dying, but eternal life in the land of heaven above. And so though his request may appear somewhat strange to us, his hope is strikingly familiar. He was hoping in the promises of God and in the power of the resurrection. You see, the favor of God cannot be thwarted by our circumstances. God works outside, over, and around our circumstances. And these, these are the times where God teaches and shows us that he is enough for us. So in response to that, we should live our lives in light of eternity. And you may be here this morning. And you are tired. You are sitting in one of those down moments of life. May the end of Joseph's life give us great hope in that there are better days ahead. God's deliverance will come. You see, there's an ultimate promised land that is awaiting us. And so you just keep pushing. You just keep pushing. You see, our mission to make disciples doesn't hinge on us feeling up or down. We just have to keep going. And so as we wrap up this morning, let me ask you the same question that we started with. How would your life change if you believed that in everything, God was with you? You see, purposing to choose present hope reminds us that God is always at work around us. Purposing to choose living hope reminds us that God is sovereign and our current position is not our final position. And purposing to choose future hope reminds us all that we are just passing through. God is faithful and will one day rescue those of us who have given our lives to Jesus. And these three truths should give us great hope and should land us really on one final question. Have you given your life to Jesus? And if so, hold strong. Hold strong and you, you realize that he has not forgotten about you. And if you're here this morning and you would say, no, I've not given my life to Jesus, I would encourage you to take the opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. And we talked about it this weekend with these students. It, it, is, it is the epitome of pride to think that you're going to have another opportunity to respond to Jesus. None of us controls one second of our lives. And so what a sweet gift from the Lord that he's given you to respond to him one more time. And so I encourage you to do that. 